Hello, everyone. My name is Justin Bayerjol, and for this episode, this third episode of Dr. VR, I have the pleasure of having a Justin O'Air with us. He's the co-founder and CTO of Artgate VR. Hi, Justin. Hey, how are you doing? Great. Thank you, and thank you so much for accepting the invitation. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Looking uh, forward to it. Well, yeah, and I feel like Artgate VR is a very important um, virtual reality piece and also a very important virtual reality location in the metaverse, in the virtual um, virtual reality universe. And I'm glad to have you uh, so we can expand on that question of art gallery in virtual reality, but also on creating new uh, interesting locations where people can actually meet, interact, and enjoy art pieces in the comfort of their home. So to start with, uh, can you tell us a little bit about your background experience? Yeah, so I've been 15 years in the tech and entertainment industry. Um, started off working for like a accelerator program where we've worked with celebrities, things like that, um, to bring technology to market. Uh, I got a Guinness World Record for the most fastest ever doing that. Is that so? Yeah. Um, we were working with uh, Gene Simmons from Kiss. No way. Yeah, this tech translation technology Um and yeah, kind of, I was the lead of that project and brought it to market and, um, yeah, we did this cool project there. Um, moving on, I kind of got sold and traded along with some companies and, uh, ended up working for a company where we had a windows desktop application and, um, we built it up to serve about 300 million videos daily. Wow. So it was like Yahoo, Google, and then us were on the list of like most videos served. Um, and that, that was going well for a while. And then the kind of the ad world changed and we started, they were like, Hey, we're not going to let you put ads on a windows desktop app anymore. So kind of shut that down. Um, but we were creating content along the way and one of the opportunities was to produce music content. So we were in the studio working with, uh, bands and, um, shot this really high end production. Uh, like six red cameras, like full team grips, everybody on board. And, uh, that's where sessions actually was born. It was, um, basically the idea was the mantra we had was film it like a movie, record it like an album, um, super high quality. We're doing up to like 8k HDR content. And this was like five, six years ago when the cameras were like fresh and hot. Very ahead of its time. Yeah. Um, too ahead of its time to say <laughs> Um, but we did these like amazing productions and then we built our own platform and that's kind of where I led the product, uh, it was made VP of product, um, in, um, for Sessions X and we built like the Netflix of music. So we had our own OTT platform where we built from the ground up, um, and we're serving our video content. Kind of got chewed up and spit out by the music industry and, uh, moved on to the next thing. Um, I was doing some consulting and then, um, my business partner, Brendan, uh, current business partner, Brendan came to me and he was like, I'm an artist. I make these huge sculptures and I got to ship this sculpture to Italy to display. And I was like, dude, that's going to be like super expensive. I'm like, you have all this overhead. He's like, I know. And he's like ripping his hair out about it. And I ended up, uh, Take we had a 3D scan of this sculpture and I was like, let me put it in VR and you can take that around and show it off. Yeah. Took it to Italy, showed it off, got a bunch of collectors interested and it actually like ended up ending up selling a sculpture from it. Um, kind of was aggregated through his gallery and everything, but it was like Arcade kind of made it so he didn't have to ship the sculpture over to uh, Italy. Um, so kind of snowballed from there. We started uh, our friends, bunch had a lot of friends in the arts um, who we uh, worked with. And they were like, yeah, I want to put my art in there. And it eventually got to the point where I was like, crap, I can't like handle like, like we were just manually putting in the artwork and then building these scenes and building the, uh, the unity belts for them. Um, and I was like, this is way too much to handle for one person who would not can be scalable. So we built like a content management system around it. And then eventually all of our friends could upload their artwork into our content management system and it would pull into one centralized VR space. Um, it was as we were like kind of realizing that like 
when our friends were hanging out, they were like, oh, I'm in my cool gallery, but like, where are you? What, like, I'm by myself. And they wanted to have other people join them. So that's when we started getting input, uh, the networking side of things. And, um, and yeah, that's kind of where, how our gates kind of evolved from there. Um, and with women is today. That's so interesting. I, I'm always very interested in uh, how all of these beautiful projects came to fruition, mm -hmm. and your, especially your background, who brought you there. So, can you tell can you tell us a bit more about Artgate VR and what it entails to, basically? Yeah. So, I mean, Artgate. The goal of Artgate was to make the arts more accessible. So, like Brendan, as like an emerging artist who's working with some of the biggest galleries in Canada. Um, it became super expensive for him, like even just as the artist, like it, these galleries are putting a lot of costs on him to ship the artwork and it's coming out of what the artwork's going to be caught his sale in the end. Um, and he's like, this is super inefficient. Like there's all this insurance, there's, uh, shipping packaging, um, like, uh, even when we were, so I'll roll back to like a long time ago. Um, I had an artist management company as well that I started and um, Brendan was one of the artists that I worked with. And we'd do all these cool uh, underground like art shows that we'd have DJs that I worked with too and throw these cool parties. Um, and so back in the day, Brendan had an art show in New York and um, we were stupid young kids. Like he was still actually at York University doing his art degree and... Um, it turned into him. We were going to New York. Got the show. We did a a party slash show at Toronto in Toronto. Finished around like three a.m. and then hopped on a bus to New York because we oh wow yeah and took an eight hour bus ride. Um, we hit the border at Buffalo and we got stopped and they're like, "We you have two pieces of artwork and you have Brendan." I had got some press for him. So like, you have our, like articles out on you on the internet saying you're like the next big thing in art. So we can't let you over with this, um, these artworks without you like getting them brokered and going over, go through customs properly. So we were stuck at the border for about like eight hours. <laughs> and like at the time we had no money, like I had to front the money for it to get them brokered over. It was like 800 bucks and stuff big deal for a student yeah and uh so got over got it done and then we ended up in new york the whole ride bus ride to new york once we got over the border we didn't have anywhere to stay like we were just like winging it we're like we got a show let's get there and we'll figure things out so the whole bus ride we're there we're messaging people on um airbnb hey can we stay to your place we got we'll give you a painting really yeah wow so Literally the entire bus ride, no responses. A lot of people just laughing at us and stuff. As soon as we get off the bus, I get a ding on my phone. Somebody's like, yep, sure. I mean, those paintings are really You need only one person. Exactly. Only one. Place to stay. So we've got, we're like, great. We'll, like, we'll take whatever. Like, even if it's just like our closet, we just need somewhere to sleep at night and get stabbed. <laughs> um, so yeah, we ended up going. It was like, the most gorgeous penthouse suite in Chelsea. Like this thing would have been like all grand a month. Um, and yeah, the guy was just excited to have a uh, painting. So that kind of opened up our minds around like the arts open doors for people. And it's like super gatekeeped in a way. And it's like guys like us and the ones that are going to like go and break those gates. Um, and that's how our gate came around. Well, yeah, very clever. Yeah. Um, so that's been like our mission is like Arcade's a tool to allow other people to break the boundaries of the art world. So the crazy thing is like we get artists in Arcade that are like, um, don't have any back institutional background, don't have um, the experience or the network that's been offered to like that we've worked for or like that we've brought into there, but they are super talented. And we give them a platform to get that exposure, connect with the people in the art community that part of the art gate, and really get their artwork out there. Without having to go through customs. So you don't have to go through customs. <laughs> and yeah, there's no Airbnb involved either. They're exactly. Their own <laughs> That's very cool. Yeah. Um, so you have a background I saw in user experience. 
Yeah, so I started off as a user experience guy, got into products, but the entire way, like, I've always been in startups and, like, helping, uh, starting my own company, so it was, like, I was coding along the way. I mean, I learned to code when I was 10 years. Okay. Um, and so I've always had this computer science background, um, but with a with more of a mindset on, like, building really good products and really exciting products. Um yeah, that's kind of how I evolved. I mean, when we came up when we came up with the idea, I was like, Yeah, Brendan, I can build this quick app. We actually started with just like a three sixty image of his artwork. And then I was like, he's like, I wanna move around it. Like, okay, I'm gonna figure out Unity. So I picked up Unity, white end, C sharp was like pretty straightforward to learn for me with like my JavaScript and my Java background. Um, so it was like quick and easy to like get in there. Um, plus the interface is really intuitive. Mm -hmm. Um, and I also had like a lot of 3d background from like the just design days as well. Oh, nice. Um, I mean, when I was in high school, um, I grab like, I got, we had a 3d animation course and a hundred percent in the course. Cause it was just like, it was one of those things that I started so early at like in design and computers and like computer science and coding and everything that like Walk when i was in high school it was easy yeah, yeah. then i kind of like when i went into university i was learning like i want to learn more about the theoretical side of things and understand like new media and um what the future is of products and how to manage those future products when they come into play so yeah. that's that's great and speaking of which um you partnered with National Gallery of Canada, Art Gallery of Ontario, the My uh, McMichael Canadian Art Collection. So how are they involved in your VR art gallery experience? Yeah, so I mean, those partnerships are really early on right now, but they're giving, introducing us to cultural scenarios um, so we can implement them in our platform. So mm. we did a pilot with the AGO um, and it was partnered with York University. And they, York University has a digital curation course, and our gate was the foundation for that digital curation course. So the, what happened was, is they, I'm pretty sure it was partnered with Dorset Fine Arts as well. Okay. They had a body of artwork that came through the HEO and Dorset Fine Arts that the students were tasked with curating a show, and then they did a full show in Arcade. Um, so that's kind of how that started. Now we're evolving into doing more cultural experiences with them. I can't talk about them too much because it's still early on. Wow, that sounds exciting. Yeah, I know. Uh, um, I'm looking, really looking forward to it because um, this is like a whole new new iteration of our gate because it's like we've been really focused on um, just getting galleries in there and understanding the user experience, making sure it's like ready for something like these big institutions that we really want to work with. Um, because that's really going to bring the audience into the platform and worse. I think we've kind of refined it a lot more and um, we're seeing a lot more, um, a lot less tech support, <laughs> a lot more ideas coming in and people creating their own galleries and implementing their own ideas in the platform. Um, and now that we have this new generation of Artgate working with institutions, we're also having budgets where we can like actually build out things that are like a lot more exciting and more in depth. So we're going to be doing like 3D space, 3D built spaces versus like working with our general templated spaces that we have. Really? And wow, a lot more customization mm -hmm. and, uh, aiming to build more authenticity in the platform and drive more culture into it as well. That's very neat. That's very great. And what was these institutions' reaction when they heard the words VR art gallery? Because they're museums. They're places you go to, physically go to. Yeah. So, I mean, pre-pandemic, um, a VR art gallery was like, uh, it was crazy. Like any of the galleries we would talk to, they're like, oh my God, that's like, Wild, they would go, we'd go to galleries and just be like, bring a VR headset and put it on their heads, and they'd be like, mouth drop, like everybody's like, this is I'm sure. But they were ready for it. Um, it was too intimidating. I mean, most of the galleries and institutions that we dealt with were still using fax machines. So it was like, wow, I want you to actually strap a toaster to your face and why you clean it. 
<laughs> like go into this virtual world and figure out how to maneuver it. Um, and it was, it was difficult and intimidating for it. Um, now we had the pandemic where people were like, oh no, we don't have many other options at this point. And like when you're, everybody's in lockdown, you have no other way to like connect with people only through digital leads. Um, that's where we saw a big growth and a good understanding of like what RK can be. And people became more accepting of it. They weren't as intimidated because they're like, I lived a couple of years on Zoom. I'm sure I can handle a metaverse or like VR platform that gets me connected in there. So that definitely changed everyone's perspective about it. And uh, it's been interesting now. I mean, I, I blame uh, much as I, <laughs> I blame Meta a bit and like overdoing it. And it's kind of everyone's got a bit of a sour taste on the metaverse and VR. Um, but it's still super early. Um, I mean, I wasn't around when everyone was carrying around those suitcase phones or like the early days of this phones, but that was like 20, 30 years ago. Um, and now everyone has a mobile phone. Yeah, I think we're still trying to figure it out. Yeah. Building the foundation for an actual platform, an actual medium yeah. that will spread. Exactly. And it's becoming more and more affordable. So I, I think we're slowly getting there. More affordable and more portable. More portable. I think it's the user experience that's the biggest issue. Um, and to get into the conversation with Apple coming in, that's what really excites me because it's now yeah. Apple does user experience real well. Oh yeah. And what do you think of their Apple Vision Pro? I it I'm excited. Yeah. Um, it's super powerful. Yeah. It, it's gonna open up like if it is what they promise that's the other thing like i from a marketing video i i have i had minimal standards set from it and i'm like this is awesome if it gives me everything you promise i'm excited uh, of course other than the battery life you guys should work on <laughs> and it's portable it's yeah. not attached to it yeah i mean that makes sense i i've always thought vr like if you can make your glasses or goggles or headset somewhere else, like it takes all the pressure off your face. True. But the funniest part for me was when they say, oh, you're carrying around the battery. So it takes off weight yeah. of the headset. Exactly. But the battery life is only two hours. While the movie they're showing mm -hmm. that they're like, you can experience a movie with the VR headset. They're showing Avatar Way of Water, which is over three hours. Exactly. So yeah. you can't watch it in full. Yeah. I'm, I'm, curious they'll probably have like a macbook charging you can plug in. probably yeah they'll probably <laughs> usb-c the battery pro or yeah there's always there's a whole lot of oh, supplemental markets for them to uh cash in on and we've been talking about you know um user experience and you being the the forefront to the beginning of these vr art gallery experience and so what do you consider to be a successful VR art gallery experience? Because there are a couple right now, but you being at the foundation of it all. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, it's such like a loaded question in a way, because like, what's a successful just gallery experience, right? Um, I think my, my opinion is, is if you can go to a gallery and you want to tell people about it, then that's... That's successful. Um, so whether it's happening in VR or real life, it really relies on the gallery experience and the artwork and the curation. Uh, but I think um, for ours, it's users need to have like a clean, concise experience getting into it, which was like a lot of growing pains for us. Yeah. Because it was like, I need you to install this VR headset under your part of this VR app onto your phone and then plug your phone into this stupid thing that you put on your face and then hopefully your phone doesn't overheat and blow up on your face and all this stuff. And the experience has like evolved over the years and we made it a lot more refined. Like now we have like like eight year old uh women and like different people, like people coming in that aren't the most tech-savvy people in the world, but they're getting in, they're giving talks, they're exploring galleries, they're talking about the artwork, and they love 
Yeah, and you just have to walk around yeah. and in your environment, which is something we do on a daily basis. So it's not like they're ha they they have to deal with um, very difficult uh, mechanics. Exactly. You know? Yeah, it's become it's more natural. Exactly, it's more natural. Um, so yeah, the user experience and getting into the gallery is like a big part because I find we've highly experienced where people get in and then they're just like, oh, that was such a pain. Yeah, and now they now they understand it, but they're just like, I they have a sour taste in their mouth, and it just starts off the whole experience on a bad foot. Moving into that, um, showing people things that they can like actually that actually complement the three D world. So, um, some of my favorite uh, experiences in galleries in the art gate, they're focused on digital. Digital? Digital. Okay. Um, so, like, 3D artworks. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. So, they'll have, like, 3D sculptures that'll be floating in midair and doing True. Yeah. cool animations and things like that. And there are artworks that are tailored for a digital world where there's, like, no physics, there's no boundaries, you don't have to worry about how heavy it is. It's transferred by a thumb drive if needed. And the, that... The ability to go beyond that um, experience, like the normal experience, takes the digital, the VR experience to the Yeah. So based on your user experience, what do you consider to be a successful VR art gallery experience? Yeah. So um, there's been a lot of growing pains with ArtGate. Um, so the, initially, like the user experience has to be like seamless to get somebody in there. And then make sure that you have the ability for them to move around freely and experience the artwork how they want. Because everyone experiences artwork in different ways. Um, integrating tools um, to allow them to understand the artwork and learn about it more is definitely adds to the experience and makes things more engaging. And um, there's a lot of value in what the artwork is as well um it definitely adds the user experience makes it more pleasurable and um allows them to just be feel more a part of it and adds more authenticity to the experience of course and speaking of which do you think an experience like yours should defer from an entertainment-based VR experience and what ways because you're not it's not a game per se it's more like a like a walk around type of experience so how do you think it should differ <laughs> so it, it's been a battle actually um especially being in like the oculus ecosystem of course early on because it's mostly game oriented they're super game oriented so like we went we were they flew us out to california a couple times and like we did all these programs with them because uh, we're partners with them. And um, it was all about gates. And we're sitting there like, how do we make ours? Like, we understand the value that you guys talk about, about building user experience and game scenario. But for us, it's like, this is an open world kind of experience where we want people to free roam. So I don't, we can't have all these rules in place. And we have to just allow... It's almost like a sandbox for people to kind of control themselves and yeah. around. Um, like even just the onboarding process, like the way the way Oculus would kind of like teach us and like you gotta integrate your onboarding into your story and then like it's like there's no story in an art gallery. Like it's like, yeah, okay, you welcome to our gate. Here's what you can see. Well, maybe you can say it's like an immersive multiplayer art gallery right yeah also that's one gaming quote-unquote yeah. way of approaching it it's uh could, yeah and it's interesting because there's no um i mean it looks if you look at like roblox and all the other metaverse platforms yeah. there's there's no end to the game it's like even like minecraft kind of thing it's you just build and you're constantly going and you're um you're doing this action where arcade it's there's, you're not really doing anything other than in taking something in. It's yeah. Like you're watching a movie. You're looking at art. You're moving around a gallery. You're connecting with people. And it's a social experience and an um, educational experience and a 
entertainment experience all melt into one, but there's no rules. And it's, you go around and you do, the only rule is, is like, you kind of stay on the ground and you, you can't go through walls. Like that's the only blockers that kind of exist in art. True. And, and, and in what way appreciating a physical painting differs from appreciating a painting in VR? You know, and what, what, what factors did you take into consideration? Yeah. Um, I mean, our goal has always been to make the artwork look as, as indistinguishable from real life as possible. So we integrated, like, I built out some algorithms that would, and we also had to think about our customers. They weren't the most technical people. They're not the type of people that are going to go into a 3D program and model the textures and build all these normal maps and build everything out to make sure that this looks amazing. These galleries are going to have a high resolution photo of the artwork and that's all you're going to really have to work for. So we built it. I built, we built it with in mind that, um, with that in mind and, um, integrated some algorithms and some tools that actually auto generate normal maps for to add texture to the paintings. So like you are depending on how it comes and how the artwork is and if it's photographed well, you'll be able to see a lot of depth in a lot of textures. That's absolutely true. Dan's out. Yeah. The closer you get to these paintings, yeah. well the closer I got to these paintings, the closer like the the more details I yeah. would see. Yeah. You see more details and um it actually like has depth to it. So that it actually pops out because we have these normal maps and just depth settings in um, the platform. Um, another part was we were fight, we're constantly fighting against performance of the device. Mm. So it's a lot of optimization across the way. Um, using all these different uh, optimization tools like uh, forward, forward rendering and everything like that, full, fixed foveated rendering um, and um, other optimization techniques to make sure that the artwork that's in there is going to look the best it does, but the app's going to perform the best it does. Um, and yeah, I mean, and having just guidelines and educating people on to are like the sizes of the images. And like, we also like when resize the images on our content management system and have all the tools in there to make sure that it's the best for that. Oh, that's interesting. So, you know, the new characteristics of rapidly interactive technology and evolving theory of the digital age brought, of course, new challenges, and especially for art and design teaching, but at the same time, with the continuous progress of computer hardware level, all kinds of simulation technology constantly, constantly emerge, such as VR, which also brought new opportunities for art design work. So... My question is, how do you curate, curate art in VR and how important is location? Right. Um, so it kind of steers back to the user experience side where I was talking about how the, the digital experiences really speak to the space. Right. Um, there's no physics anymore and things don't. Things can float in midair. Things like there's no, no rules on where like you don't need a stand underneath things. I mean, it adds to the authentic experience if you have a stand on it and it feels more real that way, but there are no rules. Um, so art artists and curators that work in the platform, like the ones that I think really bring make art date shine, those are the ones that are going beyond the normal mediums and thinking outside of our Real the real IRL, I would say. Um, from a curational standpoint, it's the the curators and like gallery owners that are in Arcade that really stand out. Um, they push Arcade beyond like normal ways. Like some people just like upload an image and like put a video on the wall or something like that. Yeah, like, that's a video. But we've had galleries that'll like make a video like a thousand feet tall. So they have this giant video um, play on the wall and it feels more more interactive and like it's exciting and like really makes the artwork feel large and then room brings the room together a lot better as well. Um, and it's 
almost like their interior decorating or decorating the galleries that we just put together for them. Um, and it's it, it's really cool what they can come up with. Um, we're, we've tried to keep it, like, I, it's always been like a an interesting conversation for us because it's like we have customers that are like, they want to have a fully custom space and they want to be able to like put a wall here, like modify the space. And we've kind of set a bit of a balance where like we have a templated system, but now things are starting to get more and more open and you can, we can integrate custom spaces. And it's always been like, we have this templated system and we want to figure out like, how do we showcase the out and like, don't focus it on all the architecture in the room and stuff like just focus on the art because really like what these galleries want to do is they want to sell art. That's their goal. Yeah. And, and you allow them to custom their custom, make their own space. No, no, so you don't. It, it's been templated for all of a sudden. Recently we've started to accept custom spaces or like we do like, well, basically our team will customize it for them and they'll like pay for us to do it. Yeah. Um, and we're slowly building out the tools to make it a lot more easier. Mm -hmm. But we still want to keep things within bounds. I, I'm like very particular about uh, performance. Like if we open it up, I don't know if you've ever like tried like spatial or any of uh, Decentraland, any of the other Marsverse platforms. They they kind of like make the sky the limit with what's going on. And right. I mean, what it comes down to is you have a polygon limit based on the game engine and what the hardware can handle and i don't like having a laggy experience like it instantly ruins it for me and i'm getting it out so i like to have a bit of a, a grasp on that and a little bit of a beat a bit of a gatekeeper yeah yeah I, yeah well it's called our gate yeah <laughs> the idea is we're opening the gates exactly uh, um i'll i'll, I'll gatekeep the polygons uh but, and that says um but yeah, that's uh, it's definitely like going to evolve but more. Um, but right now, it's just been like, let's make it about the art, let's make it about the social, let's build this community, and uh, we'll start to evolve. Yeah, and you also have digital sculptures, even. Yeah. And so I know you said your partner Brendan Brendan is uh, actually a sculptor. He's an artist himself, you know, and. Outside of the Museum of Other Other Realities, which is also an immersive multiplayer art showcase in VR, I have not seen any other experiences like yours, which is great. So I'm wondering, is the art gallery world in VR different from the art gallery world in real life? Yes. Um, socially, it's much, much different. Um, like, I... I mean, if you've ever gone to a gallery, there's always that like art student that's sitting at the desk that's like sobbing and doesn't want to talk to you. And um, oh yeah, I, I I always joke that we're gonna have just like AI NPCs at our gate that are just sobby teenagers. <laughs> oh, I'm down for that. <laughs> <laughs> They'll be there one day. Um, but right now, it's like everyone's so welcome. There's no boundaries. Like, you don't be sorry to people. It's like, hey, welcome. Come experience this. Like, everyone's so excited about it. Yeah. Um. So, and part of it is, like, you're, you have a mask on. So people don't feel that the social norms are kind of taken away. And I've, I've definitely had some pushback. Like, we've had people that are trying to influence our, like, we, we've been strictly influenced building our gate based on customer feedback and we were constantly asking them for feedback and iterating on it based on what they think and what their feedback is and custom avatars and like customization um has been a topic that's come up many times and i've pushed back on it so much because i'm like there's a social aspect once you start giving people more identity in the platform and then that opens up fear, anxiety, and like people are art themselves, art as authentic in it from that perspective. And it takes away from the art. It's about you and it's not about the art anymore. That's sort of where the direction we've headed over. 
And that's, prob that's probably something Meta really liked about the idea, because you mentioned earlier that they didn't know how to approach it. They make me maybe wanted to turn it into much more like a gaming experience or some sort. So yeah. when did they think about the whole social aspect and how did they react, you know, um, uh, uh, to the idea of having a VR art gallery? And it was always like, like I remember having conversations with some of the, um, the developer, uh, like the developer support teams. And they're like, this is awesome. Like, I don't, I don't see this often here. Um, but they're like, I don't know how you guys navigate our system. Like it, it's kind of weird. And I mean, they've given us so much support. They've like helped us whatever we needed. We're in like all the groups. Um, and they're, they're just around whenever we need them for anything. Um, and they've like sponsored galleries and stuff out of our platform and driven a lot of support for us um but yeah it was like they're just like we don't know how like we they wanted us to like um for like content management side right this is a good example um they were like you should have that in in vr like we want people to stay in vr and our idea is like vr is almost like a battle a barrier to a degree at this point where it's like you have to have a headset to experience it. So we didn't want to be tied into VR completely. <laughs> so we built our content management system outside of VR. So you go on the on your browser on your in on the internet and curate your gallery and then put it put on your headset and experience it. That's great. Or you can go on the web now and you can experience it through your browser as well. I saw. Yeah. yeah. Which one is more popular? The VR or I think it's about 50 50. I don't oh, know, like the stats. You know, while it's easier for us to drive traffic to um, the browser based stuff, but we get more people coming back in VR. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, I, I, I've always said it's like um, drug dealing. So the browser is like you get a little taste. <laughs> Rough taste is free. And then. Um, the full-on experience. You get the FOMO, and you're like, oh, how, why, how do you move your hands? Because, like, in our web base, you, your hands just stay to your side, and you're kind of like a penguin walking around. Where um, with VR, you can move your hands around, you can point at things, you can explain things better. And everyone asks, like, oh, how are you moving your hands? What's that? And it's like, you got to have a VR headset. So we've converted a lot of people, too, through that um, to be VR users because... Um, it's just a more engaging experience. Like it, when you're looking at a flat screen, you're only got a 2D field of vision. You don't, you can't look behind you. You can't look around other than like moving around on the 2D screen. Mm -hmm. When you're in 3D, it's irrelevant. You don't have these degrees of freedom. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it, it's, it's crazy because like you paired with like this 3D space might not look like real life completely but when you pair it with like an authentic social experience that's that's the magic of vr yeah um your brain i'm sure you can probably i've probably dug into the psychology of it a lot more than i have so far but like your brain kind of it's tricked um to think that it's real when we were first building our gate um one of like the very first artists leo krakowski um we we were he was the first guy to come in and try on our social side of things and we were cubes like you didn't have avatars you were just like a cube he was a cube i was a cube and we went through arcade and we were looking at his gallery that he had in there and he had these really cool uh videos that were um these bronze uh almost paintings kind of thing made out of bronze that he worked with an ai artist and did some deep uh learning on it literally really cool moved around um and i was with him in there looking at his gallery and he was like explaining it to me and it got to the point where i forgot that i was in vr and i thought about some real life and i was like oh i had to like shake my head and realize that oh wait this is vr i took off like oh yeah i'm in reality here i took off the headset that's immersion yeah it, it was like amazing like that that was that moment there i was like okay, this is like, we're, on, we're doing something really awesome and this is going to be, this is going to change things. 
Yeah, and it's mentioned on also on our Gate VR website that it's also a social place, like you said, you know, where you can see and talk to other people while the artists host events. Mm -hmm. You know, they host uh, an event. So could you please expand on that process? How does it work? Yeah, so I mean, it, it's we've got our event board um, like web on our website where artists can come in, they submit their events, and then usually they plan it like a month or two out. Um, and then we provide some support for our artists, but like depending on what sort of package they have, we'll give them more support along the way. Um, we'll put post their events on the Oculus or Meta um, apps, so it'll display to everybody on there. Um, and we'll post them on our website and get them promotion for their events. And then day of the event, kind of everybody gets a notification on their phone. Either hop in with VR or hop in on the browser. And then we usually congregate in the lobby because we didn't have deep linking up until recently. Um, so people congregate in the lobby and then we'll usually like usher in people to the gallery. So it'll be like, okay, you can go to this doorway or can you open your menu and you can find the gallery. This is where you go. And then it's really up to the artist or curator or gallery owner to how to manage and operate the event and you can talk with everybody can talk everybody can interact usually it starts off with just like a little chaos of everybody introducing themselves to each other and then um some about 10 minutes in once with like the crowds built up um virtual handshake exactly yeah we, we, we're, we've been planning it one day you'll be able to handshake somebody and then they become a contact of yours and That's so you reach out and reconnect with them um, but um, yeah virtual handshakes happen and then usually someone will like go and congregate everyone it's interesting because like you go into like VR chat or those other platforms and there's always like young kids just like screaming and yelling and like causing trouble right where we We've our community and like I guess our user group, everyone's really respectful and it's like a comfortable space where so it's like I don't have to yell over that little twelve year old. I mean, we have the features in there, you can meet people and everybody manage that, but everyone's really respectful. Other than like we get some people who don't realize that their mic's on and they'll like start yelling at someone in the back room, but um oh, i'm a professor myself teaching online you hear dogs barking <laughs> exactly and yeah, of course. um but other than that like everyone's pretty respectful about it and they get the experience and they've like we didn't set that up it was just like it happened um so like gal artists will give a talk they'll go through the gallery and be like oh this piece i did this and this is why i did it and i use these colors or whatever it is and they speak about their artwork and then people will ask questions and it's like doing a gallery tour with the artist, which rarely happens. Like usually you'll have like a gallery owner or uh, some student or somebody just like taking you through a walkthrough. Um, if you're lucky, <laughs> like I remember Brendan and I used to do all these gallery ops around in Toronto um, when we were younger and it was like, we were intruding on everyone. It was hard to just like even ask questions. Um, Eventually, we got to know everyone and like built those relationships, but it took a long time to build those relationships. And with our day, it's just go in. You're gonna, everyone's gonna welcome you in. You're gonna great experience. You can have your wine at home if you want. Sorry, we can't do the VR wine yet, but um, it, it's it's made a lot cleaner experience than like in real life from that sense, and it's you're more connected and closer to the artwork. Yeah. yeah, it's funny because when I started studying uh, virtual reality at the beginning, so we're talking 2014, 15, yeah. uh, people were saying that virtual reality was really an individual type of experience. But when I'm listening to you right now, I feel like it's definitely a social experience. Yeah, I know you're wearing a headset just by yourself. You're enclosed with that headset on, on your face, but you interact with so many people and you're breaking boundaries. You're talking to someone who can be in Europe, in the United States, anywhere. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it, so yeah, I started with VR back in like 2014, 2015 yeah. with my music company actually. Yes. Um, and it was very much like 
an individual experience. And our, our idea was like to make the going to a concert experience less like sweaty and sticky and <laughs> more, more about the music in that sense. Um, oh, so focusing more on the content yeah, rather than the, that's interesting. Yeah. But with art, it doesn't make noise. It doesn't like you can have a conversation. I don't have to yell at YouTube True. for you to hear me and go, Oh, this song's great. Like you're screaming back and forth. Yeah. I love the guitarist. Right. Um, with art, it, it doesn't make much noise. I mean, people watch videos without have music and the audio on it. Um, but most of the time it, it's quiet and you're thinking about it. And so these people will watch videos by themselves without, uh, disrupting any other people like that are close to them because the video, the audio from the video will connect to your headset. Exactly. That's great. Yeah. No, um, audio is individual to the user. So you can kind of experience it however you want without interrupting anybody else there. So I'll hear you on some, like the video, you walk up to it and some piece, sometimes she'll walk into somebody's video and it'll scare the crap out of you. You don't realize that it's there, but, um, yeah, the, the, the video experience doesn't impede on anyone, but rolling back art doesn't talk. It's quiet. It's a thinking thing. It's work and the social part of it is, um, it makes a lot of sense with arcade. Yeah. Um, I, I've always, people ask me a lot about like, why, why do I like art? What, what, what's, what's, what kind of art do I like? Um, and I explain to them arts, like, um, like a mind puzzle almost. You're trying to figure out what the artist is trying to tell the message they're trying to give and working through that puzzle is a lot more fun with someone else because you get whole different perspectives on how they take the art and, and what they think about it. And, um, doing that with people from all over the world with different perspectives, just Amazing. changes. Yeah. And do you allow artists to display interactive pieces? Yes. In what set? Oh, like that they can interact with. Yes. We are, we haven't hit that yet. How would this work? Um, so it, We've we've discussed it a few times, and it can be done in arcade. It's just it'll take our team to integrate it. It would be more um, a collaboration project where yeah. the artists can come to us. We'll say, okay, we'll, we'll we'll build this space for you. You tell us like what you want to do, how you want it to work. If you're if it's the artist has experience in three D, they can do that. Even if they could like kind of feed us a Unity scene file we can integrate it into our platform, but, um, we just haven't had that experience yet or someone that wanted to, um, I saw a really cool, um, experience called, it's called modular. I can't remember the artist's name. Uh, modular. Yeah. Mm. Um, basically he built like, it gave me, um, there's that, art piece called Beastmaster, I think it is. Um gave me that kind of vibes where he built like this entire building um that uh each room's got its own experience. But it's like all black and white and there's like all these blobs that you can interact with and he it was amazingly done and I, I reached out to him like I'd love to like eventually work with you or do something in arcade. Um yeah, I mean that's that's the next level of arcade is making it interactive. It'll allow people to like the art to be interactive with it. That's great. That's something I really look forward to. So you give complete exploratory freedom to you, your users when they enter the art gallery. And that's great. And we have the choice of visiting different types of galleries by either walking around or teleport ourselves to them. And do you think being guided or having exploratory freedom would have affected the experience positively or negatively? And how much freedom of action do you think a VR experience should have to be considered as a successful one in an artistic context? So in a gallery context, I think um, our gate, like, or the gallery context, you need to have as much freedom as possible because everyone experiences art in their own ways. Um, I, we also like having the ability to like experience it on your own experience it with others. 
choose who you want to experience it with um, is really important because um, it's just, everybody defines their own experience with art and what is their own, how they enjoy it, right? Like, I sometimes will go in our gate just by myself and, like, don't want to time anybody around and I just want to go and experience the artwork because it's, it's therapeutic. I, I think one of our comments on uh, SideQuest um, is actually Shane. He's the guy who wrote, started SideQuest. He's like, I, I just went in there and, like, sat in the lobby and enjoyed the music and it was so, like, therapeutic and peaceful. I did it too. Yeah. Because it's very, it reminded me of, uh, you know, when you turn your, your MetaQuest on and you're in this very zen type of environment. It, yeah. And it reminded me of that. And I really enjoyed my couple of minutes just standing in the lobby. Yeah. And really enjoying that. And then in the art gallery itself. Yeah. And I, I mean, just like spending that time in the quiet zone. Yeah. Of like, and looking at art and thinking about something that isn't like life. Like exactly. It's a great escape. True. True. And I mean, that's the reason why I like going to like DAGO or going to other galleries is because like, it's like I get to go to this escape and like think about something other than life and like bells and yeah, everything, right? Of course. Yeah. It, you know, in museums, sometimes they have guided tours and things like that. Yeah. Is it something you would consider an Argate or you really want to let people experience it by themselves? Yeah. So, um, I mean, kind of our events and stuff are like a guided tour yeah so we've had discussions and like this is a, a feature we're kind of keen on getting in eventually is um you can record a guided tour so mm -hmm. if justin went in he was he had his art gallery and he was going to do a tour i could go and select justin's tour and it will recreate you know take his audio capture recreate his avatar movements and basically i can go and have that's great yeah. And I can choose if I want to do it or not, or I can just go on the quiet. That's important. I could turn Justin on silent for a bit and I can think about it. I could pause Justin on the experience and you just stand there for a bit and I can think about it more, but I'm still going to get, I can turn back on and get, go back to like, I did experience in itself. It's a bit of, um, allowing people to choose and experience. Once again, experience the art, how they want to use it. Yeah, it connects a lot with my concept I developed for my PhD dissertation. I call it the spectator. So you're a spectator right. in uh, a virtual um, reality experience, but you're also an actor who interacts and who has uh, many decisional components to it right. that will you know, change the course of the story, of the experience, of the visit, and everything. And I feel like you're, you're actually adopting that position. Yeah. No, I, I, I think, so I want ArtGate to become like a, almost like a content, like the ultimate content portal for art to marry. Yeah. Um, so whether it's, I want to get a lesson from a professor from whatever art school, I want to get a, um, I want to, I want a little kid's experience. I want to watch a little kid go and like laugh at art or like go like talk about it. Um, and I, that, that's a huge part of it is getting people to generate their own content and generate their own experiences within the pot tour. Um, there's one of the galleries in art gate, um, Ali J she's out of California. Um, and her kids will come in every once in a while during the event. Oh, really? Yeah. And they're like adorable. And they're like, whoa, Bobby, look at this. I love the colors. And it's just like seeing that experience and seeing the kids that are so engaged, they're so interested, um, really excites me. And it, it, I mean, the educational side of our gate or just VR in general, it's like, kids are going to be super hyper-focused on, on these things because it's like you're not distracted anything else in the world. And they're feel, they, they probably feel like they're in a video game. Yeah, way, exactly. You know? Um, and it's, uh, I mean, it's been proven that they learn better. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, because they interact. Yeah, exactly. So... Finding out more ways to get people to interact with each other and uh, learn from it is really uh, what works, you know.
So your user experience uses two different ways for viewers to enter uh, to enter the different art galleries. And one appears in a sort of virtual catalog with the possibility of choosing with the controllers where you want to go. And the other one is very interesting. It's in a uh, sort of an Agora type of room where there are many doors which give access to the different galleries. And we're literally invited to physically walk into them. So why choosing to develop an experience this way? So it is kind of funny. It it started where we did would have the menu, like the catalog. Um, and it was just, we had 10 doorways um, in a round room. And we, we were like, I just, we just built the space. Or it was like based off the Pantheon. Yeah. Like it had the Oculus tied into VR and everything. And it's like this cultural museum space. Um, and then it, those doors all filled up <laughs> and we needed a way to, um, allow more galleries to come in. So 180 plus galleries later, how do we manage that? Um, where walking into the room, walking through the doorways was like a more authentic experience for people. They feel like they're in the museum. They can go everywhere. True. But we didn't have the scalable architecture. And we had early on conversations like we're looking at like the uh, library battles and like how this infinite space exists. Um, and actually that's kind of why where the hexagon shaped rooms a gallery us came from from trips that are like we can have this architecture that makes kind of sense that like duplicates to be within its space. Um but yeah, it, it was basically just a scalability solution um we also wanted to offer people like premium galleries a space where people can access it and see them a lot quicker um and the lobby just like made a lot of sense like when you go to a cultural institution you're in a museum you're gonna like that they have this like grand lobby that's always like intricate however which way they have it um and we wanted to replicate that experience but we also wanted to make it inviting and allow these art artists or galleries to be showcased in a way. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how that came to me. That's great. How did you design comfort in your VR experience? <laughs> it's been a process. Um, so I mean, it always is. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you're well aware of the, the VR legs and oh, yeah. we need to get used to it and the sickness. Um, part of it, I mean, a big part of it is optimizing it, um, making sure we get run at that minimum 30, 40 frames per second. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like, I think we, we never drop like our, I was looking at the chart and I don't think we dropped below 60 frames per second actually ever, uh, so I'm kind of set a baseline like that's that's where anything under you kind of start feeling sick um and we've experimented too because like the speed of walking so giving people the option to choose the speed of walking turned out to be the best way because originally we were like okay let's make it fat it would, like just put it out there and it was fast like people were like zooming and they're like oh I feel sick and it's like oh no okay we have to figure out how to slow people down. So then I slowed it down. And then it was just like, for people who had their beer legs, they're like, I hate this. I kind of like move around. Um, and then we implemented teleporting. That was an influence in actually Oculus. And teleporting is the way to go. <laughs> you hate it, but at the same time, it's very convenient because you're restricted to that perimeter. Yeah. And you can't walk over there like at the other end of the room, which I really wish I could. Yeah. But it makes sense to teleport. And I really like that you do your teleporting tool is very, has the possibility to take you very far across the room that I appreciate. Yeah. So you can still walk around a little bit. I, the reason that I, that I don't like the, uh, teleporting from its personal thing, I mean, everybody's different, but yeah, it kills the authenticity. I agree. But it helps for uh, VR sickness, motion yeah, sickness. That, I mean, that's why we implemented it because we had people, like we had customers that were like, I can't use this anymore. Yeah, moving around with the joystick. Yeah. Yeah. And the, so from a comfort standpoint, it was about making sure that people have control to cus- customize it to what's comfortable for them. So yeah. multiple speeds of walking, 
switch between teleport or um, locomotion. And um, yeah, I mean, changing, even changing like the set, the volume. Um, brightness was kind of built into the uh, Oculus already. We actually did a lot of work around the actual colors of the walls. Mm. So actual pure bright light walls hurt your eyes and sure. be in it blowing. Like yeah. you've got this thing on your face. And, and most art galleries are white. They're pure white. Pure white. Right? Yep. So we actually do like an off-tone of white, even in like our branding. Um, we changed the white to be an off-tone white. True. So it's a lot more easier to digest for your eyes. More comfortable. That's interesting. The appearance of time. And we've noticed like correlation between like usage, like it went up longer. People were not checking out as early because they were, it was easy. Yeah. And to me also it, it touches upon, uh, you know, comfort, but it also touches upon presence and flow in VR experience. Just as a reminder, you know, whereas flow can be, uh, defined as immersion or involvement in an activity. Uh, like gaming action or interacting with pieces, presence rather refers to a sense of spatial immersion in a mediated environment. So how did you design this presence and flow in your VR experience? I think, I mean, it was a matter of, I, a good example is the lobby. It used to be huge. Like, yeah. it would take me a minute to get from one of the under almost um, walking and we, we realized that and like show things down made it a lot easier to access the spaces. And actually the current lobby is like so much easier and more refined yeah. to explore a bit beyond the lobby. It still needs some tweaking and stuff, but it was more of an architectural slash like artistic choice in that space. But, um, and then the catalog came, which yeah. is to me part of that flow exactly. thing when you, you know, immersion involvement in an activity and you get more, physically involved in a way in mm -hmm. your experience because you decide where you want to go, you point and play, you know, and you you click there and you go there and that added a lot to it. Yeah, the menu um, or the catalog uh, definitely changed things, uh, making it easier to just jump from one gallery to the other quickly True. and explore. Because, I mean, if you were walking, if it was like actual physical space, and if you had to walk through all these rooms to get there, it would take you forever to actually reach right. the end of the art gate. I mean, it's 180 galleries. They Each one has between one and five rooms. Um, do the math. <laughs> That's a yeah. lot of rooms to go through. Um, so, yeah, having the ability to jump through all these um, spaces definitely made a big impact on the flow. And now recently we just launched the deep linking so I can send you a link and that'll go directly into the, the gallery that I send you the link of. Oh, so that's what deep linking is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that now that that exists, we can improve the flow as well. So our galleries can put their links to their uh, galleries directly in their Facebook or Twitter or whatever nice. what and link directly to their gallery space. That's very convenient. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's going to help us too. We're starting to like look into working with different brands and things like that. Uh, so, of course. And what are some of the biggest challenges in the design of VR project like yours, but more precisely, which one did you have to overcome during the creation? It can be technical. It can be, um, philosophical even mm -hmm. you know i i i can touch on both <laughs> i'll do that so technical um early on it was like everything we were doing didn't really exist <laughs> yeah uh, or it was really early days and it didn't work well so you're like the yeah brothers of yeah. vr <laughs> art ga art gallery VR. Yeah. yeah um i mean there was probably like four or five art gallery experiences and like maybe um a handful of uh like uh, multiplayer experiences yeah. in vr um so and the tools that were available like oculus they had um peer-to-peer based networking tools and it was like that's what we started with because it was like they're like try this out let's go go with that um 
So we did that for a while and then like it was crashing all the time. Like if I had more than three people who were relying on your headset's power and my headset's power and like our networks, hopefully they work well, it doesn't crash. Um, eventually we moved on to new platforms and better networking scenarios and now we can like handle like thousands and thousands of users can simultaneously. Um, and it's evolved from there. So that, that was like a big technical hurdle. Um, and it, all around performance has always been the biggest issue. Like I, we've built versions of our gate where it's like running on Unity's HDRP, super high quality visuals. Like everything looks pretty much real. The yeah. reflections are authentic. Everything's like spawn on, but that can only run on like, uh, like $10,000 computer with like high end graphics cards. You need an Oculus Rift. There's all this, like, it's a fully, it's an expensive experience and it's not as accessible and it doesn't fall with our mission to make things accessible. So yeah. We built it. It's like a future state. It's more of like our, our, uh, if the idea was the way back, we're actually going to have it in museums and have like a full experience of that. Right. But, that was kind of shelved, um, so it didn't make sense. Philosophically, leaks it. It's always been people are scared of it uh, <laughs> to a degree. They like before the pandemic, as I mentioned earlier, like people didn't want to put on a headset. They or they were like, "This is kind of weird." Like it creeped them out. They weren't comfortable with it, um, which it, it's. That's why Oculus went after the game crowd was because they were, those are the people that are comfortable with it. Those are the people with the, um, the gaming computers that can handle it. Yeah. It's their bread and butter. Yeah. Yep. Um, so that's why they always, they went that route, um, where art gallery owners and <laughs> artists and everywhere across the board on that world, they don't have that kind of experience and like, they don't, they don't have the tools for it. So that's been one of our, like, from, uh, from a philosophical standpoint, it's, it's a demographic that doesn't, isn't quite written. Yeah. And I'm sure it's the same thing for every, uh, avant-gardist developers in VR, you know, who have to build stuff being the first ones to, to, to build something new and all the hurdles they have to overcome. I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure Beat Saber, they went into a lot of things (laughs) from the very beginning. Yeah. Uh, and to conclude, what's next for you? What's next for you and for Artgate VR? Yeah. Um, right now, we're like really focusing on building out more tools for people to create in the platform. So create these cultural spaces and make it a lot easier for us to bring in more experiences. So as we talked about, like interactive artwork, I'd love to have that in there. Like, um, a lot of people, I don't know, if I'm an artist and I want to make a giant ball room with a ball that I can push her out and people can like have a yeah. ball in there or something like that. That that to the next phase um where I want to see arcade going. Um we have to do a lot of like business to keep things operating and um tie down tie, like nail down our sales funnel and everything and have the tech there. But now that we're starting to work with institutions and like work getting in with like bigger brands and things like that, we're going to start opening up possibilities to really like take this to the next level. And, um, yeah, we're more authenticity, more unique experiences and more opportunities for people to create in the platform. Justin, it was a pleasure to have you on Dr. VR. Thank you so much. Thank you. This is awesome. Appreciate it.